0: visit www.baesystems.com slash fastlaps. Welcome to From the Crow's Nest, a podcast on electromagnetic spectrum operations, or EMSO. I'm your host, Ken Miller, Director of Advocacy and Outreach for the Association of Old Crows. Thanks for listening. This week, I am in Warner Robins, Georgia, for the 46th annual Tixie Crow Symposium and the 2022 Robins Air Force Base Requirements Symposium. We're going to bring you some of the content and guests from this week in future episodes, both from the Crows Nest and our History of Crows podcast. If you've never had a chance to attend this event, it's definitely worth marking your calendars. It's a great opportunity to meet leaders across the military services and industry in EW. Great networking opportunity. It's always a pleasure to attend this event each year. But for this episode of From the Crow's Nest, while we're here at Dixie Crow, I wanted to take you back to the 58th annual AOC Symposium Convention in D.C. that took place in November, December last year. Uh, During the show, I had an opportunity to meet with a group of young engineers in attendance from NAS Pax River in Maryland, which is the home of NAVAIR. Our local chapter down there, the Pax River Roost, spends a lot of time cultivating and mentoring young early career engineers that come through NAVAIR to help them succeed and leverage their talents. So part of this meeting, I sat down with three of them to talk about their unique journeys and what advice they have for other young professionals looking at the field of engineering. Let's listen in. So I think the easiest way to do this is just let me have you introduce yourself and tell a little bit about what you do at PAX River.
1: My name is Kaylee Arceo. I've been at PAX since 2019. I'm an electrical engineer. Right now, I'm currently supporting VX23 uh, with test and evaluation of NGJ uh, midband.
2: Hey, my is Kyle Robinson here. I've been working at PAX River for since 2017 as an intern. I just started working full-time this past around, I would say, May timeframe as an electrical engineer, working on RF communication systems and microwave antennas.
3: Uh, hello, my name is Troy Robinson. Um, uh, I also was an intern that just recently graduated from UMD as an EE, and I'm working on mainly uh, GPS systems and packages.
0: We just had a meeting with your larger group, and I, th- I think there's probably about 20, 25 people uh, as part of your group, and it's, it's a great opportunity. I really appreciate you coming up. And you, know, you, you all work in different departments on different programs, and you've all taken very different paths to where you're at today. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the path that you took um, I know one of you just graduated, and then another one's been, uh, you've been in this military service. So I was wondering if we could go, go back around, and just tell a little bit about the path that you took that brought you here today.
1: Sure. So right out of high school, I uh, joined the Coast Guard Reserve. So um, after doing that for about a year, I started working for a a company, Newport New new Shipbuilding, and I got into their apprentice school. So pretty much I did their apprentice program. I was an electrician for a couple years and then I transitioned to a technician and then eventually um, as an engineer. And they have a pretty solid program that pretty much pays for schooling and all that good stuff. So that, that was kind of my path and then about a year after I graduated and I served my commitment with that company I decided that I wanted to work for the government and I had an opportunity here at, at Pax River, Navy Registration Pax River and here I am now.
2: Hey, so my name Kyle again. You know, my path is pretty similar to my friend Troy's here. We both went to the same elementary school, middle school and high school. And in our high school, they had a program called Project Lead the Way, which was focused on civil engineering. And that really got us, uh, or got me interested into engineering itself. So then after high school, I graduated to went to the local community college called the College of Southern Maryland. They already had an electrical engineering program, had a partnership with NAVAIR and University of Maryland itself. So basically the deal was you get your associates from CSM, then you transfer to UMD, and then after you graduate, you work for NAVAIR for two years because they paid for your bachelor's degree once you tra- transferred. So it's a really good deal. That's really how I got started and really interested in it, to it myself.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to repeat a lot of what he <laughs> said, but uh, what
2: but specifically? So you,
0: you went through the same kind of path in, in high school. What what specifically attracted your interest in, in into engineering? I mean, it, I'm terrible at math, absolutely terrible. Um, so I'm I'm always uh, astounded by uh, the ideas that come around w- with engineering and and the, the the attraction that certain people have. So what what got your attention? Like this is
3: this is where I want to focus my career on at that, at that age. Right. I mean, I don't want to, I mean, I basically was only good at math at one time. (laughs) So that and Legos. And I was like, well, what can I do with Legos and math? And I initially wanted to be a civil engineer. Uh, I have a family member that is uh, retired from the FAA as a civil engineer. And uh, I was doing project lead the way in high school and I was really interested. But then, I mean, I free education. I couldn't turn that down, yeah, you no, know? No. so I got directed towards electrical engineering and then I just i just kept going. And, so.
0: and it's great with STEM, all the, the, the
2: opportunities
0: that are out there. I have not heard of Project Lead the Way. Could you talk a little bit about that?
2: Or? Yeah, it's a program, I believe, I don't know if it's only in Charles County, Maryland. I believe other counties also have the program along with St. Mary's County and Calvert County. It's just basically an initiative created by, I believe, the local government to get more students interested in into STEM careers. And basically that started throughout, it carries out through your freshman year all the way to your senior year, just really get you involved in digital electronics. Our school focused on civil engineering. So we had a lot of architecture focus, some uh, programming. So that really got uh, you interested into the details. And like, once you did that, it really showed you or opened up doors like, hey man, I can get involved with engineering. It's really creative. I can basically create whatever I want as long as you can think of it and have the resources to do it. And how about you, what piqued your interest on in engineering that you wanted to cuz
0: you you took many different paths into the military and they, and you uh you had to find your way in each of those areas so uh, could you talk a little bit about what piqued your interest
1: Sure I guess kind of similar to these gentlemen over here I I was good at math and science, um, so I knew, I didn't know what I wanted to do right after high school, but I didn't know that, I did know I didn't have money to pay for it. So that's kind of why I, I took the pass that I did. But um, I, I guess kind of for me, I kind of just got funneled in there because I was an electrician and then I became a technician uh, and then I was like, well, the next step would just be, you know, just go ahead and be become an engineer, an electrical engineer. So that's kind of how I kind of got funneled in there. and. When I went to the apprentice school, they kind of had similar, or they had like kind of two degree tracks that you could get a mechanical engineering or an electrical engineering degree. So I was kind of, you know, it was kind of free school. I just had to work for that company for a couple, a year service agreement. So, you know, it was kind of just naturally funneled in that way. So.
0: All right. So, so now you're all at Pax River. You all kind of do different. Uh, you focus on different areas, and. I wanted to ask you where you're at today, what do you need to succeed in today's competitive environment professionally? Because I, obviously I think before today, probably your exposure to AOC is relatively minimal. So you're here now, what can we do to help you professionally
3: moving forward? Yeah, so I guess it might be a little obvious that no matter how smart you are or how educated you are, I think the whole main thing that we can get the most out of this is networking. Because when you, no matter what field you are in, you can find someone that's smarter than you, someone who knows more information or different systems or different jobs, you know, for transitioning or rotations. I think networking is probably the most important part of it.
2: Yeah, I would really say uh, mentorship, and basically, uh, you don't know what you don't know. So, anybody that can help you figure out what you really want to do, that's really the key to what I'm looking for, or I guess what people are looking for. The job is great you know really want to learn how to do that specifically get well at that before moving on to somewhere else because you got to learn one thing before you do something else so really just mentorship good leadership that's really what we're, we're looking for at least me personally
1: yeah i kind of have the same i guess opinion too because where i used to work at i worked there for maybe nine nine years and that was kind of one of the things that I personally was lacking is not having like a mentor or a or even like a supervisor kind of just like pushing you along. is like, hey, you know, there, there's this opportunity here that I think you'd be a great fit. I think some people kind of just get in their ways and kind of just stay in their lane and not really look at, you know, you know, at some point I will be retiring and I need to train my my young workforce. So either you know, having having a mentor, or having someone to be like, oh, I have this opportunity. I think you'd be a great fit has helped me here, and I know um, my, my boss, Philip. he does a great job at kind of, hey, you know, there's, there's an opportunity here, and at least from my perspective, you know, there's a lot of opportunity at, at PAX, so just, again, having that network and knowing the right people.
0: Hello, everyone. I want to take a short break to thank BAE Systems Fast Labs for the continued support for our From the Crow's Nest podcast. I am pleased to be here today with Bill Watson, Chief Scientist at BAE Systems Fast Labs. Bill, it's great to be here with you. Now, BAE Systems Fast Labs is BAE Systems' research and development and production
4: organization.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about Fast Labs as well as your background?
4: Yes, and thank you for having me. Uh, BAE Systems Fast Labs is dedicated to the innovating disruptive next generation solutions for the critical defense and intelligence challenges. Of course, electronic warfare is one of our key focus areas, but in addition to that, we also do research in autonomy and AI, sensing and response, advanced microelectronics, communications and navigation. I've been working in the RF, that is radio frequency research community for over 20 years, a short time in the United States Air Force, followed by specific research and development. My work in the last 20 years has been singularly focused on DARPA research, and within the last 10 years at BAE Systems Fast Labs specifically. Technology we work on spans sensor processing to high-level sense making, up to tactical and operational level autonomy and decision-making support. And one of the key differentiators about BAE Fast Labs is the research that we do uh, is intended to find its way to benefit the warfighter.
0: This has been an important topic through many of our recent episodes here on From the Crows Nest. Can you talk a little bit more about that technology? And for our audience, how does it change or affect our EW capabilities that we're trying to field?
4: In our work with leading uh, DoD customers like DARPA or AFRL, we focus on developing technologies that will uh, advance future solutions from overcoming today's challenges to developing technologies never before thought to be possible. We then transition our technology to fieldable products to benefit our warfighters through partnership with BA systems, electronic systems, product lines. As a specific example, I thought I'd use a movie you may or may not be familiar with. It was called Battle Los Angeles. It was from 2011, and in that movie, aliens that had invaded, and what the characters in the movie found is that whenever they keyed their microphones on their radios, they could be easily geolocated and targeted. What the movie presented as science fiction for us is, in fact, science fact. This is the type of technology that we work on and exist today where the physics meets the real world.
0: This sounds like absolutely fascinating work. What is the next area that you see for research and development? And if anyone is interested in learning
4: more, how can they reach out to you? Well, we can't say too much because of the sensitivity of our work, classification levels, but in FAST Labs, we are always working on the future state. No matter what the future threats are, we will continue to focus on solving the hardest problems to benefit the warfighter. If you're interested in more information about FAST Labs, you can connect with us on our website at basystems.com slash FAST
0: Labs. Well, thank you, Bill, for joining me here on From the Crow's Nest. And now it's time to get back to our show. We just came from a meeting where we talked a little bit about some of the mentorship programs that we're, we're, we're instituting here at, at the uh, AOC and one of, a key component of that is, of course, still you know, we engaging the very young Crow uh, in, in high school. Now that you've arrived at your current position and you've gone through a lot of your education, and obviously you have a lot more education to go through uh, throughout your career, um, what can you tell the, the high school student who is not really sure where they want to go professionally? Uh, what can you tell them about the engineering career as where you sit today that would encourage them to get into this field and kind of pursue their dreams and their, and their abilities uh, to the fullest.
3: Uh, I know my Kyle and me used to joke about this a lot. Uh, Khan Academy, I can't stress that enough. That's probably why I'm sitting here today. <laughs> you can really, it's hard to say you want to be something in layman's terms because you don't know what it really entails. I can tell you I have a, proje- I have a job at Target And you're like, oh, okay, what am I going to do? And you say supply. And well, what does that entail? You don't know until you get there. And then you realize you're lifting boxes or carrying, you could be driving a truck. You can do forklift. You don't really know until you start diving in. And I think a lot of programs like Khan Academy or even Chegg or anything where you can look at the work that you'll be doing before you get into the actual field. uh, I think that helps a lot. And that comes with mentors as well. Where you can just, you want to know what you're getting into because if you don't like it, you know, you're not going to like it and you don't want to spend the rest of your life doing that. So,
2: yeah, I would say if you're in high school, you know, keep your options broad. You don't have to decide on what you want to do. I know for sure I didn't know what I wanted to do. I first started, off, I wanted to do computer science. I got involved, volunteered to that at the University of Maryland. They had a little summer program. I learned I couldn't code. So I decided that wasn't the right route for me. Then I tried out architecture, learned how it wasn't really what i wanted to do personally i was wasn't a fan of drawing as i thought it was then i got involved with electrical engineering and rf communications and i realized hey i really like this stuff but even with electrical engineering it's so broad i still say keep i'm keeping my options open like i am involved with rf and electronic warfare right now but you know later on i might want to do power systems or something else along that line so just keep your options open look out for different you know types of summer programs that you can get involved in and really test out your waters before you go uh, head first into something that you want to do
1: I think the only thing I would add is I think a lot of high schoolers or kids in general have a lot of pressure on them to kind of have their life figured out before they even go to college or I know when I graduated high school my guidance counselor was pretty adamant he was like what college are you going to I was like well I'm not going to college I'm joining the military but I think just like what Kyle was saying keep your options uh, keep your um, options open and I think having programs were kind of like that partnership that PAX has with the high schools, like just trying to get people who are in those fields involved. And so you can see what an engineer does on a daily basis, I think is very important.
0: And last question, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, the importance of networking and and mentorship and sometimes the challenges of very, what we might call seasoned engineers who have been in the profession for 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, They maybe tend to stay in their lanes. And one of the key things about our mentor-menteeship program that we're trying to launch is we have this huge, this growing pool of people looking for mentorship. We need to attract mentors. We need to attract people who are willing to help out and 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 mentor some of these young engineers out of college, starting their careers, and 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 earlier. Uh, what would you tell the that fifty year old plus seasoned engineer that you bring to the table professionally for that next step in your career? When, when you're the, the the future of. This profession, right here. So, what do you bring to the table that we need to, we need we need to address today? We need we need we need to adapt to.
2: Yeah, probably say we bring a lot of new perspectives, uh, new change. Uh, even when I'm working today, it's, things are all, uh, the, the way they are. I heard you, you can't do certain things a different way because that's just the way it's always been done. But you know, they're starting to loosen up those terms, and I'm sticking to that anymore they're starting to allow you know a little more innovation, a little more different perspectives to see how they can improve on different functions that go on and the office on a day-to-day basis. So we just bring a lot, of, a lot of again new perspectives there and that will I think will help future workforce.
1: I guess just to kind of echo that, I think when we've done something for a long time, we kind of get we kind of put our blinders on and we don't know any other way to do it and that's just the way that is always done and I think allowing young people to kind of challenge that process, and or, and to think outside the box, and to bring those new, fresh ideas, I think will be key for us to stay relevant in the in the battle space. So,
3: I mean, yeah, you, just, you get the last yeah. word here, you know. <laughs>
0: Every, everything hinges on what you uh, say, right? Now. <laughs> Every,
3: yeah, I mean, sort of like what they're saying is that there's a lot of times that I've been told to do something a certain way, and I'll recommend you know a different suggestion and i'll sometimes even back it up with research and sometimes they just i don't want to say shun you but they turn like almost like a blind eye and they'll be like no um it wasn't like that before and it's not going to be like that today so it's, it's sometimes i guess you could say like a progressive outlook where like you said the shutters that you know take like like the blindfolds off and let I guess sometimes let them roam free and then you approve it with research so there's no risk when you have documentation
0: and and that's one of the things we we've been talking about a lot this week is the the assumptions and the way we've been doing business they might make us comfortable today but it's not going to be it's not going to help us have an advantage Globally, from a military perspective or commercial perspective, if we don't open up those those shutters and, and kind of accept new ideas and think about things differently. So, well, that, that's all the time that we have uh, for today. I really want to thank you for for coming by the, the Crow's Nest here at AOC 2021. Really appreciate your time. Um, and I know you have a, a full schedule ahead of you. But as the advocacy and outreach director for, for the old crows, I, I do look forward to... Uh, visiting Pax River regularly Uh, once now that COVID is starting to lift, we can start to do some more site visits. And and, uh, I'm always looking forward to to coming down and engaging program managers and the researchers and engineers down there and and, and really kind of building that relationship. So I want to thank you for your time. uh, And I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you.
3: Thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: That will conclude this episode of From the Crows' Nest. I want to draw your attention to an upcoming episode of our sister podcast, The History of Crows, celebrating the contributions of women in electronic warfare as part of Women's History Month. Finally, we want to hear your thoughts. Please take a few minutes to complete our survey because we need this information to continue to grow our podcast and bring you the content that you, our listeners, want to hear. You can find the survey on our website at crows.org slash podcasts and in the show notes. Thank you for listening.